Chapter Eleven of Tom Slade on the River. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tom Slade on the River by Percy Keith Fitzhugh. Chapter Eleven Gary's Story and Harry Stanton's. It was around the glowing campfire on that memorable night that the wandering boys heard Gary Everson's simple, unboastful tale of the new kind of first aid which had helped him to solve the mystery of Geoffrey Waring, and put Tom Slade in the way of realizing his fondest dream, that of returning Harry Stanton to his young sister and his home. "'If we looked like beans, I'd say you were trying to string us,' observed Roy as he sat in his familiar posture near the fire, his knees drawn up and his hands clasped about them. It beats anything I ever heard. Our beloved scoutmaster will have to go away, way back, and sit down. Mr. Ellsworth, still half incredulous, shook his head. The pity of it is, said he, that there is no merit badge for this kind of first aid. There can be no doubt of the truth of this thing, I suppose, he added. Gary laughed good-naturedly. I wish I could be as sure of his having the boat for his own, now that he's somebody else. It's one Picherino. And you suspected that first night, you say? Well, no, not exactly. You fellows have got to remember that my father was an alienist, if you know what that is, and I've heard him tell about just such troubles as Harry's, so I don't deserve much credit. Only I had to be very careful. You can see yourselves it wasn't a case for bandages and splints and things. It would be pretty hard to give you too much credit, Doc Carson said. The first thing I noticed, Gary went on, was the way Tom stared when he first saw him that night up in the woods. He was sure he'd seen him before. I didn't think much about it, though, till afterwards, when other little things set me thinking. And then I remembered about it, and I began to put two and two together. When Geoffrey told me where he belonged, I remembered about the old gentleman in Vale Center, who came home one night with a young fellow he called his nephew, and how all the people in the village wondered who the nephew was. They didn't live near enough for me to know much about them, but I don't know as I ever saw Geoffrey until that night up on the mountain. Well, it was while we were bringing Mr. Waring down through the woods on the stretcher that Tom said something about the Stantons. He just mentioned the name sort of offhand. And I noticed that Geoffrey stared at him, and looked sort of worried or puzzled, kind of, and then started in again, chattering in that way of his. Then it came jumping into my head all of a sudden that he was trying to think of something and couldn't, and I was wondering if Tom really ever had seen him before, when I just happened to think, the idea came to me, sort of, that maybe it was his sister that Tom had seen. Of course, I didn't think so, but the idea wouldn't go away and I decided that anyway I'd keep Geoffrey near me if I could, and not let him get mixed up with the crowd where he'd be all the time getting excited, and see if I couldn't find out something about him. And even as it was, that was some tall job, believe me. You certainly kept by yourselves, someone said. I knew the time was short, and I wanted to see if maybe he wouldn't get better by just being quiet. I knew a person could get to be sort of flighty-like, from an accident or something like that, and lose his memory and be like a kid, and that sometimes, if he lives quiet and don't get excited or see many people, 
He'll begin to remember things.' "'Gary, we've got to hand it to you,' said Roy, earnestly. "'You've spent your whole vacation buried alive.' "'Even still, I didn't exactly think he was Harry Stanton,' Gary went on. "'But after a while, just for experiment, kind of, "'I began springing words on him that I thought he might remember. "'I sprung Stanton and Nyack, but there wasn't any comeback until one day— "'It was the day Arnold dropped in to see me. "'I sprung the word Nymph as a good name for a boat, "'and that seemed to kind of hit him. "'He just stared and stared and stared. "'After that I decided to take him down to Catskill Landing "'to look at that sumptuous yacht of his, "'and then to show him the good turn. "'I knew that sometimes when a person sees the thing that caused his trouble, "'or goes back to the same place, maybe, or something of that sort, "'his memory comes back to him all of a sudden and he wakes up as if he'd been dreaming, as you might say. There's a long name they have for it, but I can't seem to remember it. Anyway, it's a blamed funny thing, but it's true. If you want to know what happened when we trespassed on the good turn, you better let him tell you, eh, Jeff? The boy, who had been the subject of Gary's simple narrative, was smiling as everyone turned toward him, and though the familiar trace of childishness was not entirely gone from his smile, there was a suggestion of mental poise or self-possession, even in the face of this public stare, which had not been there before. And though one or two noticed, for there were scouts, and noticed things, that he twirled one finger nervously with his other hand, he at least did not begin to chatter with that distressing agitation and irrational boastfulness which the camp had known so well. He had not changed his habit and demeanor as a lightning-change performer will doff his costume. But there was a difference, and everyone could see it. The woods and the quiet water and the sympathetic surroundings were to do much for him yet, and it would be a very long journey back to mental keenness and physical vigor. But he was different, and it seemed all very wonderful. It was a knockout blow to Doc Carson, proficient though he was in his chosen specialty, for not a word about this kind of business had he ever seen in his study of first aid. "'Hey, Stanton, you old Jekyll and Hyde,' Gary repeated cheerily. "'You came near getting me in Dutch with this bunch. "'Tell them about the nymph.' Harry Stanton smiled naturally, and now Tom Slade, who was watching his every movement, realized how much like his young sister he looked. His nose wrinkled a little, just like hers, when he smiled. There was no doubt as to who he was. "'I knew it was my boat,' he said. "'I thought it was the next morning.' It seemed as if I was just waking up. I don't mean it's my boat now, of course. It sure is yours, all right, said Roy. I've got my other one, and I don't want it. But it seemed as if I had fallen asleep on it, and he thought I was Benty Willis for a minute, said Gary. And then, then, sort of, I knew all about what happened. When I saw my, the boat, I knew, I knew for sure. There were a few seconds of silence, broken by Mr. Ellsworth saying, It's wonderful, almost unbelievable. And still no one else spoke, the company only gazing at Harry Stanton, as one might look at an apparition. Then Doc Carson, Raven and First Aid Scout, said, Gary, you're a wonder. And all the thanks he got, began Connie Bennett. Oh, I didn't mind that, laughed Gary. I had my little trail to follow, and I followed it, that's all. I just kept my eyes on the trail and not on you fellows, just as Jeb is all the time telling us. 
If he had seen that boat too soon, or been jollied, or got too much excited or tired, he might have gone nutty, for sure. Tell us a campfire yarn, Roy. I want Harry to see that we've got a real nut in the camp. But Roy told no yarn, and still they were all silent. After a while, Tom spoke. I don't want to make you talk about it if you don't feel like it, he said, or if you don't remember. But I always thought that maybe you were alive because a board belonging to your launch's skiff was in the launch when we got her. Gary laughed. Tell him how it happened, Stanton, said he. I remember all about it, said Harry. I was in the launch, and Benty was in the tender, bailing it out. There was a long rope from the tender to the nymph. He was singing, and I was sitting in the cabin talking to him. We had a light on the launch. That's the same way as I told it to you, isn't it? He questioned, turning to Gary. Sure, go on. Then I heard a speedboat coming down. That's what you said, Gary encouraged. Maybe it was up. Anyway, I called, but I suppose they couldn't hear me on account of their exhaust. You see, said Gary, he wanted to warn them about the small boat, which was about thirty feet away and had no light. They crashed into it, and Benty yelled that he was hurt and said he had hold of the rope. And then, and then, Stanton broke off, looking frightened and perplexed, and rubbed his hands together distressingly. You let me finish it for you, and see if I don't get it right, said Gary, soothingly. Jeff pulled the rope so as to save Benty, who couldn't swim very well. But Benty must have let go. That right, Jeff? Yes, and now wait a minute. Gary looked across the fire at Tom. And all there was at the end of the rope was a board from the skiff. The skiff must have been all smashed to pieces. It was the board that had the ring in it that the boat was tied to. Yes, said Tom. Well, that's all there is to it. Stanton pulled it aboard, thinking his friend was clinging to it. And when he saw how it was, he dived for him. I dived right away, interrupted Harry Stanton, shuddering. And I swam all around, and I called. I swam way out, and then there was a big light that dazzled me. And that's all, concluded Gary. He can't tell you any more because he doesn't remember any more till he was in Mr. Waring's house. We're going to try to find out about it, aren't we, Stan? He moved closer to the boy and put his arm about his shoulder, with a significant look at the others, as if to ask them not to question him further. And he wants us all to go down to Nyack with him, in his own boat, which has the other one beat forty-eleven ways. He says he wouldn't ride in that old tub now, eh, Stan? and you can keep it or sink it just as you please. And when we get to Nyack, he wants a committee of three scouts to go home with him, while the rest of us stay on the boat. And after that, if we can fix it up, we're all going to take a cruise up the river and through the lakes for a little call on Uncle Sam at Plattsburgh. Hey, Stan? And the three scouts that he wants to go up home with him, he's very particular about it, are Tom Slade and Roy and Pee Wee Harris, because they're the ones who were there last year, and they know his sister, so it's up to them to take him back. How about you? Roy promptly demanded. Oh, I'm out of it, said Gary. Then suddenly such a shout as might have raised the dead resounded. It was Pee Wee Harris, flying off the handle, as he realized the meaning of Gary's proposal. Oh, Crinkums, won't it be great, he shouted. And, and, 
I'll think of a little kind of speech to make to her. Gee, it's just like a story, with, with yachts and long-lost brothers and things. Especially things, said Roy. End of chapter 11